Hey folks, I'm Cuz Strickland and welcome to Find Your Favorite Place, presented by Mossy Oak Properties Land and Farms Realty, the podcast dedicated to a life lived on the farm, in the woods, or by the water. Each week we'll talk about hunting, fishing, the outdoors, and land ownership throughout the Carolinas and Virginia. Our goal is to help each of you live your best life outdoors. Here's our host, Billy McOwen. Thanks, Cuz. This is Billy McOwen. I'm your host. I am joined today by Captain Brian Dehart. How you doing, Brian? Just right. Happy to be here. All right, man. Good. Well, uh, we're going to continue on with our this series of our podcast, talking about customer service. Today, we're going to talk a little bit about uh, working with buyers. But first, as always, let's 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 talk about what's going on out there in the deer woods. Uh, you know, last week we had talked a little bit about, you know, kind of what was going on with some of the fishing. Of course, you know, the deer season here in eastern North Carolina is underway. I know we've got a few friends that have uh, let the air out of the bag on a on a couple of deer so far. We're about two weeks into archery season. Uh, how about you? Are you going to, you got to, you know, going to get out, get out here in the woods here anytime soon? I know that I've got a showing on Saturday morning and I'm, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna pack the string music along with me, and I believe I might climb up a a stand. Uh, you know, on Saturday afternoon, it's starting to get a little cooler, and you know that early season is tough. You know, you got bugs, you got skeeters, you got oh, all yeah. the oh man, you know. But uh, you know, I'm I'm you starting I, to feel it there, right? Well, I, yeah, you know, uh, I start when it gets a little, it starts getting cool at night, where you know you feel like you got to put on a long sleeve shirt. You know, mm-hmm. and and you you know it feels that way in the mornings. I I don't know what it is, but there's something about that feeling that just draws me to the woods. It just it makes me think about the joy of hunting and the joy of getting up. Uh, there's no question, man. It's it's crazy it, how that transition happens too. And even if you're not, I mean, I'm having as much fun fishing as as I've probably had in. 10 or 15 years wow. just because of the fishery we have right now it's just it's so dynamic it's 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 it's, it's incredible um just to trout fishing and the, and the drum fishing but those mornings when you walk outside you know get up getting outside 5 30 in the morning getting ready to jump in the truck and you're not seeing your breath yet it's not that cool Mm-mm. but the humidity's low mm and um there's just a freshness in the air that you haven't experienced in the last four months and your body just it just starts to transition you know my thought process i find myself on the boat going man i think uh it's uh northeast this afternoon it's gonna be 10 to 12 it's a perfect you know that that number 25 stand down there in that cornfield that's probably where i'd want to be this afternoon (laughs) i'm the same way man you know um you know, we talked last week. I just got back, you know, from vacation out in Colorado. And look, I mean, at night it was getting down to, you know, 40. Good grief. You know, during the day, you know. In I'd the, have been a shivering mess. Oh, in the 60s. You know, and I I like that. I like, you know, I like that, you know, you're wearing long pants. You're wearing a long sleeve shirt. You know, it struck me funny one time, you know, a couple years ago, we went to go visit our good friend John Parsons out in Cody, Wyoming. You know, Tess and I went out there mm-hmm. to do some training with those guys. And it was it was August. You know, and I, you know, I, I pack shorts, short sleeve shirts. You know, but out, out 
out in the West in August, I mean, dude, we were having to wear, you know, a vest or a coat at night. And everybody there wore long pants and long sleeve shirts in the middle of August because it never got above 65 or 70 degrees in wow. Cody, Wyoming, you know, during that period of time. It was something else. But anyway, now's that time of year. You know, it's late September. You know, here here we come. We're getting ready to get up on muzzleloader season this weekend here. Uh, you know, of course, we're recording this ahead of time. By the time this sure, airs, by the time this airs, it's going to be, be it's going to be October the second. Yeah, and uh, and it's going to be muzzleloader season here in eastern North Carolina, which means that you know where you and I hunt out in you know in that Roanoke River basin, uh, you know there in Halifax County that we love. Mm-hmm. I mean, I love it. I know you do too. Uh, there's always a giant that hits the dirt, you know, out there during. During what we would, you know, I don't know what you call it, pre-chase, chase, mm-hmm. pre-rut, you know, whatever whatever you want to call that, early October, brisk mornings, brisk evenings. Uh, you know, you still, they're still coming out late, you know, but, sure. you, you know, you can hunt the mornings successfully during that period of time, but, ah, oh, man, here it comes, you know. There's a lot, there's a lot of transition happens in the next few weeks in the deer woods it is next three weeks is amazing what Mm -hmm. occurs right you know they always talk about the october lull that's right right have you seen much of an october lull is there a is there a little period i I absolutely believe in it i mean i've seen it over the years absolutely yeah um i think a lot of it has to do with with uh the availability of the food source you know if you got a huge mass crop um mm. then the, you, you know a lot of deer just disappear from the uh, field edges mm. you're not seeing many deer in the fields for a couple of weeks in october and um you start losing them on trail cameras i mean they're just not as much um movement you know again we're transitioning from their summertime patterns getting ready for that pre-rut phase now you'll still see some deer and if you're hunting pine plantations and you're hunting over corn piles, then you're not going to see as much of an October law because they're coming to the food source. But in a situation like what we got at, at uh, in Halifax County, you do, I, I do, at least I feel like I do, see some of that in that um, the deer sighting numbers go down some. And because there's so much uh, big woods on that property, and, you know, we don't have access to all of it with stand locations and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the sightings go down until they start really start chasing. Yeah. You had mentioned earlier in this conversation that you're having the best fishing that you've had in the last 10 or 15 years. What can you tell us about that? You know, for those of you listening, you know, Brian and I live out here at the Carolina coast. Uh, we both live in a little coastal town out here called Manio on Roanoke Island. Uh, it's on the outer banks of North Carolina. We're surrounded by large bodies of water, the Roanoke Sound, the Albemarle Sound, the Pamlico Sound, the Croatan Sound. Uh, and Brian has been a uh, charter boat captain and inshore fisherman. You've, if, if you're familiar with uh, the Carolina Sportsman's Magazine, you've probably seen him on the cover a dozen times over the years. Uh, but he is a, uh, a local expert on inshore fishing here uh and for him to tell me i've known him for the better part of 20 years and for him to tell me it's the best fishing he's seen 
in 10 to 15 years. I think we need to hear a little bit more about that. Um, I appreciate that, that uh, glowing review there. Um, Well-deserved. Well, well, I appreciate it. Um, the, we're, in a, we're in a situation right now where we have not had a, a cold stun event, um, meaning that we have not had a significant enough freeze to kill the population of speckled trout that we have. Mm-hmm. Um, you usually average one of those um, mm-hmm. every three to five years. Yep. You're due for So we were due for one last year, and we got by without one. Mm-hmm. And we're coming off of a, a long enough run where we got a, 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 a large population of speckled trout. But in that large population of fish, we have a, a, a large population of large fish. Um, I've probably seen more this year. I've seen more fish 25 inches and over, you know, in the local fishing community and really in all of eastern North Carolina. There's been more, you know, really nice speckled trout caught um, than traditionally what would be the case. Mm-hmm. You know, you're usually always rebuilding. You're going to have three and you, years. And you think that's a result of, of a higher abs- survivability? Oh, ab- yeah. But they just haven't died. You know, yeah, we, right. we got a, a stratified age class, and um, which is a big deal. So you got a lot more spawning fish in the system. So here's, here's I'm going to make my first public prediction. Um, I'm going to predict that if we do not have a significant cold stun event this year, that next year sometime the state record is going to be broken. That's my prediction. Oh, well, well, you know, are you are you in line for that? Oh, I would love to, but I'm not. <laughs> I don't know that that'll happen. But yeah. um, that the state record speckled trout is 12 pounds four ounces. I think it was caught down in like Wrightsville Beach or somewhere. Really, years ago. I mean, like. Yeah, like, in, the, in the 60s or something. Um, and I I thought it would have been um, bigger than I that. Didn't I see a picture of you? Didn't you get – what was that one that I saw that picture of you? Was that like eight uh, pounds? Yeah, but it, was, yeah, it wasn't a 12-pounder by no means. But there's there's been a lot Yeah, but that of, was a slob. There's been a lot a, – a larger number of eight, nine, ten-pound fish caught this year than um, than what you would ever see in a given summer. Um, and if those fish survive, I mean, if we have the same scenario where plenty of bait in the system, the system is healthy, um, and those fish continue to grow, then, um, yep, that's, that's my first public prediction next year. Somebody's going to break a state record. All right. Well, I hope it happens. Me too. What, what, what about, you know, this is the time of year where, where typically you and I will get together. And if I'm lucky enough to find the time, you'll drag me out into the Pamlico Sound and we'll do some drum fishing big drum tell me what what's going on with that because i've i've heard some stories i think you talked about it last week in our podcast about a you know these 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 giant you know masses of fish and they're you know the way they're feeding and there's this things like that that's sort of an unusual anomaly tell us tell us a little bit more about what that's all about well again it's it's a situation where um it depends on the um kind of the stratified population uh, so the big wads of fish that we're catching, the big schools of drum that we're seeing with hundreds of fish in the school, um, most of that is going to be the 25 to 30-inch class. And we knew it was going to be that way. You can't keep those, right? You can keep them up to 27 inches. How about that? Yep. So um, so we knew. So your slot, your slot is 18, 18 to, to 27. 27. That's, okay. that's where you can harvest one fish per person. Gotcha. And and we we've seen this coming. You know, we we've known for two years 
that this year was going to be extra special if the conditions warranted that the fish stayed around Dare County. Is that having to do with this, the the, the lack of freeze or what is, what's the they, contributing factors that they, make this um, fishery what it is? Um, consecutive successful spawns. Okay. And so, you know. Is that a weather-driven event? It's not so much. It happens every year. I mean, it happens. They, yeah. You know, the fish come in. They're going oh, to spawn. Oh, yeah. We, we, you and me fish it. We go to the Roanoke and, uh, up there at, and, and well, Weldon. Well, stripers. The... Yeah, but I'm talking about the drum. Oh, the, oh what am I saying? Yep. Yep. I, yep. So, Sorry. And they're going to come in, and they're going to spawn. I mean, not to get too technical about it. If you've got a late moon in, in August, that'll be a, a good spawn. But then the next full moon in September is typically always the best spawn. That's the biggest congregation of big fish. In North Carolina, you know, that time was when most of them have come in from the ocean that are going to come in. Even though they do spawn some around the inlets, um, the vast majority, the biggest body of big fish goes across into the mouth of the Noose River and the mouth of the Pamlico Rivers. And that's where they do, you know, a large majority of the spawning. So it's, it's interesting that on, on years that we've had tropical systems during the spawning cycle, we always see a, a bump in the next year's uh, recruitment. So the next right. year's class will be really strong. Right. And years that you don't have any tropical systems or hurricanes or anything during the spawning cycle, um, it's, you know, it's it's on average or maybe even less than average. So it's, it's kind of odd how how they were created, you know, to, to respond to adverse events by, like, hyper-spawning. Speckled trout do the same thing. The after a cold stun event, the next year, the fish that are left in the system, I, I call it hyperspawn. I mean, they just freak out. They produce more. It's like their their body you know, naturally they were created to just replace the population, and so that's um, you know deer do the same thing. And in, in, if you want to talk about from a deer standpoint, after a uh, an event. Um, a hemorrhagic event, you know, blue yes. tongue or something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They start having triplets. You start seeing uh, uh, twins and triplets and stuff like that the, the, the following years, and it's just a you know, natural response to to a uh, a harsh event. Right. And um, so anyway, the August moon I think was a little um, lacking in the in the population of fish on the on the west side of the sound. But this, in the mouth, in the over in those river mouths, like you were talking. Yeah, but yeah. right now they're ganged up over there. They're ganged I mean, up. everybody's catching fish. You know, I've heard of some really big nights. Um, I don't like catching them in the dark. They don't take pretty pictures. I like sunset pictures. I like catching them in the daytime. And um, but the guys that have been fishing at night, I've heard of some. You know, some thirty and forty fish evenings, fishing up until about midnight, something Holy like that. Holy cow! Really? Yeah. And on the popping corks, on the light tackle stuff, you know, the guys will catch. Eight or ten or twelve will be a, a a pretty good, you know, five or six hour trip on um on corks. So the fish are there, um, and we've got such a large stratification in the the age classes that you can go catch them just about anywhere. Well, if you're interested in booking a charter and want to go catch some of these big fish, Brian, why don't, why don't you tell us how people can get a hold of you? Uh, Instagram. A lot of people have been um. Hit me up on Instagram, a direct message, and it's uh, Captain Brian Deach, C-A-P-T-B-R-Y-A-N-D-E-H-A-R-T on Instagram. Or um, call the office and, um, you know, reach me, you know, on, on the website. What's your, what's your cell phone number? Cell phone is 252-473-8632. 
if you're looking for a great time, want to go out and do some fishing, my man Brian here has got it going on. I can attest to it personally. I've been his guest several times out there, and we have had a blast. So take it, look, take advantage of it. Get in the outdoors. Go, go get up in a tree. Play a little string music. Uh, go catch a fish. Enjoy yourself. I mean, it's a great time of year to be here in coastal uh, yes, Central Carolina. So, so my, uh, my biggest question is now, how much is this sponsorship spot getting ready to cost me? <laughs> <laughs> Not a thing, brother. You know, he's funny. All right, so let's get on to business here. We have had, this will be the last part of our series that we've been talking about customer service here in, in, in this uh, this season, this episode uh, for uh for our podcast, the the last three podcasts that we've had, um, and I have to apologize about some technical difficulties that I had last week. Our our intro and outro on our last podcast last week got a little messed up. I am not a professional podcaster, uh, so I am prone to make some mistakes, and I think I made some last week, you know. But uh, I think we got it squared away this week, so hopefully it won't sound like everything's in a tin can. Uh, like it did last week, but uh, our subject matter is what's most important, and that is, you know, we we want to talk about, you know, the level of customer service that we provide uh, through what we called it to be the 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 Mossy Oak Properties Advantage, and and what we you know really believe about that is is that we're going to do the things to go over and above. Um, in the service model for our customers that are our, our competitors or, or, or other colleagues just, you know, are not willing to do, don't have time to do, or don't know to do. Um, and, and this, this topic came up, um, you know, we were, we've got a lot of residential agents. There, there's a tremendous flow of buyers into the market. The post pandemic, uh, fray of, of, of buyers that are still coming from the north, you know, Ohio, Pennsylvania, New York, New Jersey, those folks up there, they're still coming to the Carolinas. You know, the Delta variant, you know, hasn't, you know, made, made any of that change. They're still fleeing the city centers and coming to the sunny south. Early retirement, and most of them are baby boomers just like me. I mean, they're 65 to 70 years old. They're, they're married. Their kids are at college. They're, uh, you know, they're thinking, hey, you know, let's get down to some of this fun stuff that we were talking about earlier. Do a right. little fun in the sun, a little fishing, a little hunting, a little good stuff like that. And so they're connecting not only with us, but our competitors, as well as traditional brokerages, the Coldwell Bankers, the Remaxes, Keller Williams, all those folks. And so... You've got a, a a bunch of residential agents that you know contact us about our listings. Uh, you know, we talked earlier on about you know having our listings part of the MLS. We we've we've been fortunate enough to be able to join twelve different MLS systems across three states. So we are we are really able to get our sellers' properties out there in every way possible, uh, in front of other real estate professionals. So. What happens, you know, here it is. I'll just paint a scenario, and I, I, I'm, I'm not going to do it in a disrespectful way, but I, I believe, you know, it, it, those of us in the land brokerage business can certainly appreciate this. And, and I think that our colleagues in the residential business will find it equally funny, which is I get a, I, you know, 
It happened to me. I got a call, you know, a really successful, um, uh, what, what, what does that say? That's that agent's name that we were trying to figure out while it goes. <laughs> gotcha. So, uh, we're not gonna we're not gonna talk about that. Correct. Okay. All right. Uh, that's funny. So I get a call, and this and it's a very successful agent, very successful company, calls me, says, "Billy, I've got a client that's interested in your farm over in Chowan County," and I'm and I gave her some information about it and stuff like that, and she was very candid. She says, "Look, I, Billy, I'm a residential agent. You know, I don't I don't know the first thing about this farm. This is a really good client." I've sold some properties for them. I told them I'd help them find this, you know, but I, I, I don't know, you know, what to do. Can you help me out? And I'm like, absolutely. You know, so what do I do? I, you know, I, I'm going to show up over there. I'm going to pull my Polaris over there. I'm going to put her and her client in that thing in comfort. We're going to drive around that farm. Nobody's getting any mud on their shoes. The, the, she's not getting any dirt on the tires of her BMW. We're going to drive around that thing. We're going to treat her with courtesy, respect, and honor. And you know what? That buyer was a really good buyer. And 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 they, they put an offer in. And, and it got accepted. And, you know, we, we worked through it, and that was that was fantastic. I, I could have. Let me, let me tell you how that could have gone. I, I, I could have said, are you kidding me? You know, I'm— you know, how do you, how you want to earn your commission? You know, you, no, I'm not going to show that property for you. You can go on over there and show your buyers, your buyer, you go do it. And, and I promise you that conversation has been had before with other people, you know, sure. because they don't, there's not this spirit of cooperation. It's almost, you know, I'm so busy that I can't, I can't help you type of thing. And, and I, if I'm honest, I will tell you that sometimes that does occur with me. I am busy, and I there's there's sometimes where I feel like like you know, golly, you know, is this really necessary, or or can we get on a Zoom call and you know and and maybe I can I can go through some of this there, and if at that point if they want to take it a step further, then mm-hmm. I, then I'll go and and do it like that, and I've done that a couple of times, and that's worked out you know pretty good. But, you know, uh, I think it's really important that we be, we remain collegial in our efforts to work with, with you know, look, if, if and I'll tell you who's really good at it, Sean Malloy, our guy out there in Leesburg. Mm-hmm. Let me tell you how smart Sean is. Sean recognized that, that the residential component in what he does, it's not his knowledge base. Okay. Right. He he understands that him partnering with a residential agent that really knows that stuff has and and I t- let me tell you what he did yesterday. Put a one point eight million dollar farm with a big old house on it under contract yesterday. You know because he knows how to work with these with these you know high mm-hmm. high end residential agents. I mean this is obviously very nice house, big farm, you know beautiful. But he knows how to do that, and he's not greedy. He he understands that that if he if he works with an expert, that that you know, Sean will be there to take care of what needs to happen with the land. But this had this big old house on it, and he, he relied on the expertise of that guy to take care of that, and it was very smart, and he got the deal done, which is great. So, I want to recognize the fact that 
you know, there are these people that are really, really good at what they do. You know, uh, we've got some colleagues here on the Outer Banks and, and some of the neighboring towns, Edenton, some other places, you know, Greenville, Raleigh, that really, really do a great job. And we need to give them their props. But we do what we do and they do what they do. And sometimes I need their help and sometimes they need mine. But as but I'll never get their help if I'm not willing to help them. Well, that's and that's a big big deal. What I was thinking about while you're talking about that is, is it, it you know well my old basketball coach used to always say it all comes home to you. It always comes home to you. So if you'd have kicked that agent to the curb, there's a really good chance that you might not have got the offer that you got. But there's also a really good chance that that agent would never work with you favorably no. again. No. But you created a relationship, a sure. business relationship scenario there which is what we should all be doing, you know, with agents that we can help and not you take the pretentiousness out of the, the this part of our business. And there's so many pretentious agents in the real estate business that are better than you, that know, be, know more than you, that have sold more than you, whatever their attitude, you know, is that day. And uh, but when you're willing to help somebody and they know that you're genuine about your help, they know that you're doing it. You're motivated by money. I mean, you're trying to sell a piece of property. You're right. representing I'm trying to your, represent myself. Represent your seller well. But it always comes home to you because when she does have the farm that she don't know how to list, she's going to call you. That's right. When she does have another buyer, she's like, bam, Billy's my guy. And so it's, it's you know, it always comes home to you, and it just makes really good sense to work with people. Sometimes it's inconvenient, but it's, it's what we do. Right. Well, you know, you were you, on a uh, before we started this podcast, you know, I was having a conversation with another one of our agents uh, and we were talking about a potential for a piece of property off of an of a of a buyer that I got from a referral from a a a agent in Newburn that is a residential agent. And he said, well, what you're looking for, you need to talk to Billy. He's the land guy up there. He can hook you up. And he flipped the guy over to me, uh, and that's the result of what we're talking mm-hmm. about here. You know, Steve has called me a bunch of times asking questions. I've helped him. I've helped him price things out. He's had clients come to him, you know, saying, hey, hey Billy, listen, I got a client that wants to list this. You know, what can you tell me about what, you know, how should I be, how should I be, uh, pricing this, I've helped him out, and there you go, turnabout, fair play. Like you said, it all comes home mm-hmm. to you. So, you know, working good customer service uh, is not just with the buyers that come to us directly. You know, let's talk about that for a little bit. But, you know, it's like like little things like returning a phone call. You know, I got a lady that called me yesterday. She, she just wants to buy a lot. Her and her husband want a little lot to build on somewhere down around Hertford, Edenton. Mm-hmm. She had called three realtors, and none of them called her back. She called me. I answered the phone. She told me what she wanted. She said she even told me the lots that she was looking at. I looked them up. I said, look, I got this. I'll take care of you. I called all the agents. Guess what? They, they answered the phone when I called, or they called me back. Right. Right. So I found out exactly what she was looking for, got all the information she's looking for. And you know what? Probably going to hook up with her this weekend, ride down there and take a look at one of those lots. Is it is it a $2 million deal? Is it all this big? No. But I tell you what it is. It's good customer service. Right. And I know that that woman knows more people than just me. Right. And so why not? What What, you know, what does it hurt to, you know, be kind, you know, help somebody? Uh, 
not dismiss them because they're they're only wanting to buy a ten or fifteen or twenty thousand dollar lot, or you you don't you know you're trying to read between the lines about whether or not they're serious or not or what all this other stuff. What if you treated everybody like they were like they were serious, like they were your mother, mm-hmm. you know, and and like you you wanted to honor them and do the best that you could for them. If you treated everybody like that, then you would get that back. Like you said, it all comes home to you. I, I really like to think that we, we have been a blessed company, no doubt. We, sure. we, we really, really have. And I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that God smiles on us because he knows that we care and he knows that we give and he knows that we want to try to do the best for everybody that we can, that we're honest, our intentions are good, our hearts are pure, and we're trying to do the right thing. It's not about ego or money or any of those other types of things. It's really about caring about other people and understanding that, you know, we, you and me have the blessing of living in a small town and we know the benefits and what could be the pitfalls of living in a small town. Oh, absolutely. You know, everybody knows your business, Mm -hmm. right? You know, and, 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 and if you, if you, if you do some things that are unsavory, everybody kind of knows about it. So if you don't want, look, here's my advice to everybody listening. If, 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 if you don't want anybody knowing your business, well, you know, don't, don't, don't move to an island, uh, you, you know, because, <laughs> right. everybody here is going to know it. But if you're doing the right things and you're doing good things and you're helping other people, then yeah, of course I want everybody to know what we're doing. That's right. right. You know, it's, it's, it's really good stuff. What, what was the name? What was the name of that gal? Is, say it. Anne. I, I can't read that. Anne. Okay. Yeah. She was a delightful soul, wasn't she? She was. So we, Brian and I were reminiscing. There was a, there was a, a, a woman that, that was in the land business, land brokerage business out here in Eastern Carolina for a lot of years. Miss Ann, we'll call her. And, and, you know, she later on in her later years, she, she became ill and she used to call Brian and I all the time, <laughs> you know, to, can you go, can you help me? You know, what, you know, I can't, I'm not really able to get around and I've got a client and he's interested in this piece of property. And this is when we really started kind of doing this. You know, you remember. Had, the, had to, because she had an amazing client base. It was unbelievable. She yeah. was plastered 30, everywhere. 30 years of business. Oh yeah. She had an amazing client base, but she was at, at, at that point physically incapable right. of showing property. Yeah. But she would show up in the convertible and, um, and. It, and then to kind of just hand it over and say, here you go, you know. Here you go. And we'd take them out and show them the property, and she'd write the offers. And, yep. And it was, a, it was a good thing. God bless her, man. Yeah, she was, she was a, fun to work with. I mean, she was really a neat neat lady. Yeah, that's good. But, those you know, those types of things are, are the bread and butter of, of, of you know, what, what real customer service is all about. So let's just take a few minutes here, you know, as we're, it'd be, you know, before we wrap up to talk about, you know what's it like when a when a when a buyer is, is contacting us directly? I mean, you know, obviously we're advertising, not just on the MLS, but on on all of these aggregator websites. Of course, everything you know shows up on Realtor.com and Zillow and Trulia and all that mess too. We get a lot of direct calls. One of the things that's really helped us lately is we this year we integrated a a CRM package into our our our, our systems that helps us to manage the, the flow of clients, be that buyer sellers, mostly buyers. That's, that's really what it's better at managing because, you know, we'll get email leads, we'll get text leads, we'll get phone call leads. All of that helps us manage it. 
and, and, and allows us to, to make action plans for people based on whether or not it's a warm lead, a cool lead, a hot lead, or whatever. And it, and it reminds us every day, you know, my calendar says, hey, you need to call this person back or this person back. Or, you know, we all get busy and, and we can mm-hmm. be distracted and, and, and lose, lose touch with all of that. But, you know, the customer service that we can provide buyers is, A, we have that system for us to stay in contact with you. You don't just get lost in the shuffle. Uh, we will we will be able to help you also too. Last week, you know, we talked about teams. Uh, I if I don't have it, and I know one of my other team members may have it, I'll funnel you down to another one of my team members who's going to have that listing in that area that's outside of where I work. But it's going to help. It's going to help the, uh, the the company out here too. Here comes Sarah, my lab. Hey, she's coming in here for all the love that what she's been doing? missing out on. What Holy cow! What are you doing, girl? Good Lord. All right. So, you know, and the other thing about that that team scenario, again, is is not that not just that we can funnel them down because they'll have the the uh, the listing. But also when we get jammed up, when you get jammed up, you got three showings on Saturday. You got two or three other guys that may not have three showings that day that can take care of that buyer for you because Saturday may be the only day he can look at a piece of property. That's right. And, and we got to be, we got to be, uh, you know, aware of that and, and be ready to say, you know, instead of saying, look, I'm busy on Saturday. Can you come on Monday? No, man, I'm working. Right. Yeah, I mean, you sure. know, that's the way we want to do it. So, well, Captain Brian, we're, uh, we're, we're getting near the end of our podcast here. Any particular pearls of wisdom you want to leave us with before we say uh, adios to everyone? A uh, couple. Yeah. One on the real estate front is um, if you're a buyer looking for an agent um, with us, you can look past a singular agent and know that you're getting a whole entire team with a ton of support. That's a big deal. Um, and on the outdoors front, um, October is going to be special both in the woods and on the water. Hmm. What do you mean? Uh, well, deer, I mean, everybody's going to be, you know, deer season's going to be kicking off. Well, yeah, that, I mean, yeah, I got you be special. I guess I was really asking more about the water. I knew it was going to be special sure. in the deer woods, but what's going on in the water? As that water cools down, light started to get longer. I mean, the fish are going to be in full freakout mode. Um, we get back down into water temperatures in the, in the upper 60s in the mornings as opposed to upper 70s. And um, it's, everything's going to be eating everything. How about that? Good to know. All right, good tips. Hey, everybody, thanks so much for joining us this week. Uh, my name's Billy McGowan. I'm your host. I was joined today by Captain Brian DeHart. Always great to be with you, Captain Brian. All right, everybody, peace out. We will see you next week. Hey, thank you for listening to Find Your Favorite Place. And be sure to visit us at landandfarmsrealty.com to connect with our team and our collection of rural listings. <laughs>